All right, everyone. Let's gather up for the word this morning. Continuing our time of worship as we open up the word of God and just give you a few moments to grab a seat. While you're doing it, I mean, who's having an awesome summer this year? Come on. Yeah. Woo! I know we're having a great summer. We've been really enjoying the, the weather. This is kind of what we, we dreamed about uh, for Life Center when we thought about coming back here for the summertime is, you know, having the sunshine streaming in the windows and kind of the beach vibe outside. Uh, but we're so glad that you're with us today. Um, I was just talking to some folks here, and, and, you know, obviously we've got a lot of people here today, and that's a wonderful problem, right? Amen. Uh, we're running out of seats today, so we're so grateful for all of you that are kind of squeezing together. Um, for those of you who are wondering who I am, uh, my name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here along with my wife, Tanya. We get to serve as lead pastors at Life Church here, and we're so grateful and honored to be able to do that. We do have some associate pastors, Pastors Mike and Ev, and just in case you're wondering, for those that are, you know, wondering where are they today, they're actually, they're having a wonderful summer as well, and, and they're getting to be away right now on vacation uh, in Okanagan Falls, uh, and they are actually probably watching us online right now. So hi guys, it's good to see you. And uh, we wanted to welcome you here. We want to welcome all those who are watching online. Um, this is, if this is your first time, we're so glad that you're here uh, to, to be able to join with us today to worship together. And, and if this is your first time or you haven't been here for a while, I want to bring you up to speed with what we've been talking about this summer. Uh, we've been going through a series in the book of Acts, Acts, and we called the series, We the Church. The big idea of this title is that um, when you join into an organization or to in a relationship with people, then you get to actually uh, be a part of the history of those people or that organization. And so when we're talking about We the Church, the book of Acts is the story of the emergence of the church of Jesus Christ. And we are the church and so when we read these stories, we can see in them the foundation and history of who we are today. The stories that we read in this particular book line up to and tell us a little bit about who we are and what God is calling us to do. Amen? And so this morning, we're going to keep going, and we are now in the book, uh, pardon me, in the chapter of Acts chapter 6. We've been going through 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. We are now in Acts chapter 6 this morning, and what we've been doing typically is reading a portion of the chapter and then speaking on a subject that relates to that chapter. And this morning, in Acts chapter 6, we're actually reading quite a bit of it, but the title of my message today, if I were to title my message, is The Extraordinary Ordinary. The extraordinary, ordinary. What if God has called us to experience his extraordinary presence in our ordinary lives? And could it be that that is the call upon us? This morning we're going to see an example of that in the scriptures. But I just want to talk a little bit about that idea of an extraordinary life. See, I believe that many of us, if not most of us, at some point in our, in our lives, have envisioned our lives being extraordinary. I mean, as a kid, I don't think anybody starts out thinking, I'm just going to have an ordinary, boring life, right? I think most people envision themselves having an extraordinary life. I remember my daughter's preschool graduation. They would always ask the question, what do you want to do when you grow up? And people would say things like, I want to be a fireman, or I want to be an NHL hockey player. Or I want to be a superhero, right? And a lot of the young girls at that time, I think there was probably about five of them that said, I want to be Elsa from Frozen. P- 
People don't imagine themselves when they grow up being ordinary. They envision an extraordinary life. I remember I thought I was extraordinary as a young man. I remember thinking about, you know, being an extraordinary person. And, and I, I wanted to be a superhero when I was a kid. In fact, I had a group of people at school that I gathered together, and I was the leader of a group of superheroes because I had a superpower that nobody else had. You want to know what my superpower was? I could squint my eyes and see really clearly far away. So I called myself, of course, Hawkeye. Right? So I was Hawkeye, and we had Skimmer. He could throw rocks really good. And then we had, we had all these groups, and we were going to fight crime and, you know, do all these incredible things. And I remember, I remember coming home and telling my mom about my superpower. Be like, Mom, I got this, this incredible superpower. I got this group that we're hanging out with. Yeah, I'm the leader. Yeah, and we are. We're the superheroes. And my superpower is that I can squint and see really good. And so Mom said, well, we better get your eyes checked out. So, so, so we went to the doctor, and I need glasses. There you go, right? But there's something in us that longs for something extraordinary in our lives. And could it be that God has something extraordinary for you in your ordinary life? This morning, if I were to make a statement, and we've been kind of doing these we the church statements every week, and, and my statement this morning is this, we the church are called to be active participants in fulfilling the mission of Jesus. This is an extraordinary statement, and it's an extraordinary call. But I believe that God has given us an extraordinary anointing to fulfill the call that he's put on our lives. What is it that God is looking for us to do? And what is it that he's looking for you to do? Well, this morning we're going to turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 6, and we're going to read a story about an event that happened in the early church, again, we the church that influenced us today. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. So just hang in there. We're going to read a lot of scripture. Then we're going to pray. Then we're going to dive in. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to pull out five observations from this story today about how we can live an extraordinary life. You guys with me? Okay, here we go. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained that the Hebrew-speaking believers, about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So, the disciples called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. I love that they call him that. Philip, Procurus, Nicoranan. I'm not going to say any of these names anymore, okay? Uh, Timon, whatever, Parmenas, Nicholas of Antioch, earlier a convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miraculous miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it is called, started to debate with him. 
They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Sicilia, and the province of Asia. And none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that your word will accomplish what it is set out to do, and it will not return void. God, I pray that as your servant, God, I would come under the word this morning, Lord Jesus. And I say, God, come and do whatever you want to do. Have your way in this place, Lord God. Speak through me, Lord God. Use me as your vessel to declare your message to the people today, Lord God. Lord, we thank you this morning that you have extraordinary things for us to accomplish in our ordinary lives. And Lord, we thank you so much for that, Lord Jesus in your holy name. And everybody said, amen. Just to remind you, we the church are called to be active participants in fulfilling the mission of Jesus. Now, just in case you're wondering, this statement lines up with uh, one one of our life church values. And that is the value of being kingdom minded. This is the idea that we think outside of ourselves. See, we believe That whatever it is that God has called you to do, he has put you there for a reason. See, I actually believe that 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 this whole church is not about me. But in fact, you are all ministers of the gospel. If I could say it this way, we are all ministers of the gospel. Turn to someone beside you and say, you're a minister. See, God has called each one of us to fulfill a call that he's put upon our lives. So what could it be that God is looking for from you? And this is what I believe it is. I'm just going to give you the answer right now. I believe it's to experience the extraordinary grace and glory of God in your ordinary life. In the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, in the message transliteration, it says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. See, I believe that what God is calling us to do is deliver our lives to him, present them to him, and say, God, come and do what you want to do in my life. And I believe that when we do that, God takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. So what are five observations from this passage that are going to help us to move in that direction? Here's the first one. Number one, how do we do that? We lean in to what God has gifted you to do. Lean in to what God has gifted you to do. Here's the first observation. The apostles chose to focus on the highest and best use of their time and efforts. Acts chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. So that it's 12. I'm reading it now from the New King James Version. So the 12 called a meeting of all believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a full food program, the NLT. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So here it is. Lean in to what God has gifted you to do. Here's what I believe. God has given each person in this room a gift that nobody else can do the same way. That nobody else can unpack the same way. There are gifts inside of you. you might, and you might be hearing me say this today and think, well, Matt, obviously you're talking about the person beside me. Or obviously you're talking about Pastor Tanya because, man, she's amazing. Yes, she is. She is amazing. It's true. 
But I believe that the gift that God has is for each one of you. And the question that I would have for you this morning is how do you define that? How do you find that? And the question that I would ask you is the same question that, that, that God asked Moses when he was saying, God, what am I going to give to the people? What am I going to show them to show them that you're with me? And this is what God said to Moses. He says, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? What is it that God has given you in this moment? Do you have time? Time is a gift that God has given you that you can use for his glory. What is it that God has given you in this moment? Do you have, do you have grandchildren that you can pour into? That's a gift that God has given you in a way that you can minister even in the, in the, in the time that you're in today. What is the gift that God has given you? Are you, are you gifted to teach? Then teach well. What is the gift that God has given you? Are you creative? Are you a creative? Are you, are you great at, at video editing? Are you great at, at, at writing songs? Then, then that's a gift that God has given you to use for his glory. What is the gift that God has put in your hands? Well, man, I'm an accountant. Okay, well, that's the gift that God's given you. So use it for his glory. Do it well. The, the apostles chose to focus on the highest and best use of their time. In other words, they were intentional about giving their lives to the work of the ministry. They were intentional about living a life that glorified God. What gifts has God given you? Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6 says, For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that God has given to us. Let us therefore use them. Come on, there's a grace that God has put on your life. There's a gift that God has given you. What do you have in your hands right now? Maybe you've got a spare room in your home, and you're able to, to use that to help. Maybe your gift, oh man, if this is your gift, please let me know, is that you make incredible food. Let me know, because I'd love to try some of that. And just, just make sure, you know, that you're using your gift well. Lean in to what God has gifted you to do. The apostles lean into the gift that God had given them. Now check this out. Who else leaned into the gift? We're going to get into a second. These other seven men. See, the apostles, what's going on here? The apostles are, 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 are hearing some discontent. It says that there was some discontent among the Hellenistic Jews. These are those that spoke Greek. And they were, they were complaining because they're saying it's not fair. There's, there's food that's being distributed to widows, and our widows aren't getting enough. And so the issue here is a supply and demand issue. The issue is a matter of control of supply and managing a system. And the disciples realize, you know what? That's, that's good, but that's not the best use of our time because God has given us a gift and called us to do something right now. And so they wisely chose to distribute that to seven men. And they said, I want you to do this. And what did these seven men do? They took the gift seriously. And they rose up to it. And they decided that they were going to be excellent at what they did. And they rose up to it and they, they worked that gift out. What God had given them in that moment, they did it well. That's my next point. Number two, you pursue excellence in all that you do. So the apostles chose those who had a good reputation, were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and to fill the role of managing feud distribution and managing resources. I love that. It says that they had a good reputation. 
So first of all, lean into the gift that God has given you. Okay? The apostles lean into the gift that God had given them. The, the deacons, that's what we call these guys, these guys that were distributing food, they leaned into the gift that God had given them. But let's do it with excellence. In all. Acts chapter 6, verse 3 says, And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. And I love that idea of a good reputation. These are men of character. These are men who have proven themselves over and over and over again. The Bible says, um, if you, if, if you want to be ruler over much, you need to be faithful in the little. So what did they do? They were a people of good reputation. Church, we ought to be, can I just put it this way, the best employees out there. Because we do things with character and with excellence. Because we serve not as unto ourselves, but as unto the Lord. And that's what they found in these men, these faithful men, is that they were people of good reputation, that they were full of wisdom in the Spirit. You see, God can fill you up with wisdom in the Spirit to do what he's called you to do. Right? You could be a contractor. You could be a teacher. You could be an accountant. But God could give you an anointing to do those things so that it glorifies his name. In the Bible, there's many examples of this. There's one in Exodus 31, uh, a man by the name of uh, uh, Bezalel. And it says this in Exodus 31, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. In other words, you might be sitting here today saying, man, this message does not apply to me at all. I am a contractor. I am in renovations. But check this out. This man, Bezalel, what is he known for? For his work with his hands. There's an anointing to work with your hands. There's an anointing to do what God has called you to do. Amen? As followers of Jesus, do we show excellence and character in the things that we do? Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working to the Lord rather than for people. So lean into the gift that God has given you and, and work with excellence. But here's number three, and this one is probably one of my favorites. And that's this. And do not undervalue the anointing in what you do. So here's the story. Here's what's happening. The, the, the apostles are facing this, um, this backlash about uh, the distribution of food, and it's creating all this drama, and there's all this stuff going on. And the disciples say, listen, they, they, we're wasting our time focusing here because this is not the high, highest and best use of our time, with God, the gifts that God has given us. We're going to focus in on what God has called us to do. And they lay their hands, and they, they call these seven men together, and they gather them together, men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. And they say, this is the gift that God has given you right now. And these men rise up to it. And then what do the, the apostles do? They don't just go, okay, so, um, so here's the spreadsheets, okay? And, uh, the, you know, uh, Mirtha, she didn't get enough last week, so make sure you raise that number up for her, okay? And, oh, that person got way too much, so let's lower that. And, and, and oh, and by the way, we're going to give you all this other training, okay? And here's the manual. Okay, go. They, they, they didn't just do that. They might have done that, but they didn't just do that. What did they do? The Bible tells us right here in Acts 6, 6. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Check this out. Even though the role of these seven men was different than the role of the apostles, 
they still needed the same prayer and anointing to accomplish the task laid out for them. Listen, even though some of you in here are missionaries, like literally missionaries that are going to travel all over the globe and preach the gospel, and, and some of you in here are school teachers, we all need the same anointing to accomplish what God has called us to do. Right? We all need the same anointing. The same anointing that, that rests on me needs to rest on you so that we can go and accomplish the things that God has for us to do. We are all ministers of the gospel, and we must not undervalue the anointing in what you do. I wonder if this is one of the reasons that Hebrews 10 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Church, don't neglect his anointing. Don't neglect it. He wants to empower you to fulfill the call that he's put on your life. He wants to empower you to experience living in the highest and best use of your time. He wants to empower you to experience working with excellence and doing things well for the glory of God. Because when you're doing those things, you're doing it for his glory and for his kingdom to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't undervalue the anointing in what you do. Amen? Amen. Number four, expect signs and wonders in your ordinary life. <laughs> I love this. So they pick these seven guys, and there's one guy that kind of stands out, and his name is Stephen. And the Bible says of him, oh, and then they pick this guy, and then they pick Stephen. Oh, he's a man full of faith in the Holy Ghost. And I remember this passage, this passage spoke to me so much, um, just a, a little bit of my testimony. Um, when I was about 19, I went down to a Bible college in, um, in Seattle, Washington, at a church called the City Church. And I joined this church, and, and for me, that church was legendary. I remember growing up hearing tales of this place called uh, um, Generation Church, and it was their youth group. And I remember going down there for the first time and walking into this room, and there was 400 radical young people worshiping Jesus, and I was overwhelmed. And over the next two years, I served at that church, and God had me, raised me up as I served those, those people, and, and God raised me up to become one of their worship leaders and, 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 uh, and, and, and be, take part in that. We traveled all over the world, and we did all these incredible things. And I remember at the end of that time, the Holy Spirit, you know, coming and, and speaking to me and people prophesying over me and saying, Matt, you're going to go back like a flame of fire across Canada, and God's going to use you mightily, and, and you're going to be doing radical things for Jesus. I see stadiums filled, and they're just like prophesying over me. So I come back to Canada ready to go, let's go! And nobody knew who I was. And nobody cared. And it was, it was sobering. I had to, I had to learn. And, and, and so at that time, I was like, God, what am I going to do? And it was like, get a job. Okay, I got to get a job. So I got a job serving at the Olive Garden. And I remember going there just feeling so deflated. I mean, I had this call on my life. I had these gifts, right? I had this highest and best use that I was aiming towards. And God put me into a position where I was serving tables at the Olive Garden. And I remember I was reading through my Bible, and I came to this portion. And what were these guys doing? What were these seven guys doing? They were serving tables. And this is what it said of Stephen that he was a man full of faith 
and the Holy Ghost. And then I realized what God was doing. Matt, if you can't see the presence of God move in this place, how are you going to expect it to move when you're a pastor of a church someday? And so I realized this is my highest and best. So I'm going to do whatever I do with excellence, and I'm going to look for the Spirit of God to move in this place. And I can tell you testimony after testimony of tables that I would be serving and the Spirit of God would lay a word on my heart and I'd get on my knee and I'd look at the person in the eye and say, hey, I think God brought you here today and this is what he wants to say. And they would break down crying over their salad and soup and breadsticks. Because I was looking for the anointing. I was looking for the, the Spirit of God to move in that place. Are you looking for the presence of God to move in your ordinary life? Are you expecting it? Do you expect to see signs and wonders in your ordinary life? What does it say? Acts chapter 6, verse 8. Stephen, a man full of grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Wait wait a minute. That's not your job, Stephen. Your job is to make sure that Murda gets enough food and that uh, Tamar doesn't get too much. That's your job. But no, we're all ministers of the gospel. We still need the same anointing. So could we expect to see God moving in the midst of our daily, ordinary lives? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And here's the last one. Number five. Rely on the Holy Spirit to give wisdom for everything. The Bible says of Stephen that he was a man full of wisdom and the Spirit. And this is interesting. When I began to, to study this idea of wisdom in the Bible, the Bible speaks a lot about wisdom, okay, many, many times. It is often, if not most often, linked to the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 6, none of them could stand up against the wisdom and the Spirit with, with, with which Stephen spoke. Here's some examples of what I'm talking about. Proverbs 2, 6, and 7, for the Lord will give wisdom From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Proverbs 1.20. So wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She says, turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. The question is, how do we get wisdom? And this is what I believe, church. I believe we get wisdom from the Holy Spirit. I love this one, Ephesians chapter 117, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Come on. We need wisdom. How are we going to live this out? How are we going to see this happen in our day-to-day lives? We need the wisdom that comes from the spirit of God. You say, well, Matt, how can I live this out? I can't tell you directly, but the Holy Spirit can. He can speak into your situation. He can speak into where you are, and he can give you uh, wisdom. He can give you insight. He can help you to succeed. He can give you strength to do what he's called you to do. He can give you courage. He can give you the words to speak when you need them. Church, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. So what do we need to do? We need to lean into what God has gifted us to do. We need to pursue excellence in what we do. We need to make sure that we never undervalue the anointing 
in what we do. We need to expect signs and wonders in our ordinary life. And we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom for everything. God can fill you with his spirit so that you experience extraordinary things in your ordinary life. Amen? We, the church, are called to be active participants in fulfilling the mission of Jesus. And that means all of us. We, the church. Amen? So this morning, I'm going to invite my beautiful wife to come. She's going to um, get on the piano. And I just want to take a few moments to do that. I, I want to pray for you today. That God would anoint you and give you wisdom and give you insight into what he wants to do. And that you would see a fresh vision for how God can use what you have in your hand right now. See, some of you, you've got something in your hand and, you, and you've, been, uh, you've been kind of throwing it aside. And you've been thinking, oh man, this, is, this, is, th- this season that I'm in right now is not a great season. And, and you're not recognizing the gift that God has given you. And I believe that today as we, as we pray, God can even speak to you and give you wisdom to understand the gift that he's given you in this season. Because there's always a gift that he has. There's always a gift. So this is what I'd ask. Just everybody just close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment. I'm going to pray a really simple prayer. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to take maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute, and we're just going to wait and let God speak to us this morning. And then I'm going to pray for you. But first, let's wait. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. We ask you to come and pour out your spirit on us today. Speak to us, we pray. And show show us what it is that you have for us to do. We love you.
Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If that word spoke to you, especially this morning, and you say, Matt, I just need a fresh sense of the Holy Spirit. I need that wisdom to know what it is that God has for me. I need that vision and that faith to rise up in me. We do not neglect the Holy Spirit. We do not neglect his anointing. If you need that today, wherever you are, just as an act of faith, I want you just to raise up your hands and I'm going to pray for you. You can raise up one hand or two hands and just maybe put it out like you're going to receive something this morning. All right. Jesus, we just ask right now, Father, that you would come with a fresh anointing and impartation. Father, we pray that you would speak to each heart in this room, Lord God. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would restore to us the expectation of our faith, the joy of our salvation. And we pray for great wisdom to know what it is that you have for us in this moment. Father God, open our eyes that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would know what is the, the hope of his calling and the riches of the inheritance of the saints. Father God, I pray that our eyes would be enlightened, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, and that we would know it, Lord Jesus, and we would sense it. Father, I pray, Lord God, for a fresh anointing upon each one. I pray for an impartation of your Holy Spirit, the divine enabling of the Holy Spirit to do the will of God in our ordinary lives. God, we come before you this morning and we submit ourselves to you. And we say, come, have your way. Do what you want to do and use us for your glory, Lord God, that we could represent you well to the world around us, we pray. We ask these things now with faith in you, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen.